Welcome to Managed Care Cast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Maggie Shaw, Senior Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. To mark the publication of the American Journal of Managed Care's 12th Annual Health IT Issue, on this episode of Managed Care Cast, we speak with Dr. Christopher Whaley, healthcare economist at the Rand Corporation who focuses on health economics issues, including the influence of the COVID-19 pandemic on healthcare delivery. In particular, he examines how existing technology has pivoted to become a backbone for virtual care delivery, while its ongoing evolvement has highlighted inequities in care delivery, making access and lack thereof divisive issues. In the article in the Health IT Issue, Differences in Telehealth During COVID-19 Between Commercial and Medicaid Enrollees, Dr. Whaley and his co-authors compare rates of telehealth and in-person evaluation and management visits between individuals with commercial insurance through the California Public Employees Retirement System, or CalPERS, and those with publicly funded coverage through the California Medicaid program with implications for equitable access to telehealth and development of policies to guide its ongoing and future use. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Whaley. Before we begin, can you please introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about your work? I am a healthcare economist at the Rand Corporation, where I focus on a variety of health economics issues, including things like market structure, access to care. And more recently, a bunch of us at Rand have been focused on how the COVID pandemic has really led to to changes in how care is being used in the United States. And one of the uh, really kind of surprising things about uh, the COVID pandemic has just been the rise of telehealth in, in the United States and how this kind of technology that's been around for several years, which, you know, before the, the pandemic was kind of maybe used a little bit, has really uh, experienced a huge uptick in growth. And as we've seen this huge uptick in use of telehealth, there's been lots of questions about access to telehealth and, and equity in use of telehealth. Mainly uh, using telehealth and, and other types of uh, virtual technologies requires access to things like a smartphone, potentially a computer, uh, internet access. And so there's been lots of concerns that, well, you know, maybe there's been a, a huge increase in the use of telehealth, but this, this increase in kind of this new uh, modality of accessing, accessing care isn't quite shared equally. And so what we want to do in this study is actually look at that within a, a large state and in particular, look at use of telehealth between two populations. So one is a commercial population. So these are people uh, who receive insurance through their employer. And so throughout the pandemic, they've had a relatively uh, steady uh, source of income and have access to relatively generous insurance benefits. The other population that we look at is Medicaid beneficiaries, which have fewer financial resources kind of by, by definition and differences in, in access to care and access to kind of a different set of provider environment than commercially insured enrolled. And then a kind of another dimension that we want to look at in the state of California is that California has uh, lots of kind of different insurance plan types. And so in California, there's kind of traditional fee-for-service providers, but California, I think, is relatively unique in the sense that it has lots of managed care providers. And so instead of kind of going to the doctor individually and kind of being 
the doctor getting a bill from the insurer. There's kind of much more coordination between insurers and providers in managing care. And what we really wanted to look at is among these two populations, whether or not there's an interaction between this type of insurance coverage and the incentives of managed care versus traditional fee-for-service medicine in using and accessing the kind of new technology of telehealth in the pandemic. And so broadly, what we found is that there are pretty large differences in, in use of telehealth, but it's maybe not quite in the direction that you'd expect. So among the uh, uh, kind of the, the lower income Medicaid patients, we actually found relatively high use of telehealth uh, compared to uh, uh, fee-for-service or commercially insured employees. And another important distinction is that the modality of insurance or the, the type of insurance really impacts the use of telehealth. So among both the CalPERS or the commercially insured enrollees, as well as the Medicaid enrollees, those who were in a managed care plan actually had quite a bit higher use of telehealth than those that were not. Another really important distinction is that but kind of for everyone, telehealth really spiked in the initial months of the pandemic, but then uh, for the kind of fee-for-service enrollees in, in both Medicaid and, and in commercial plans, telehealth use actually declined quite a bit. But among those in managed care in both commercial and Medicaid uh, populations, telehealth use actually was relatively stable throughout the pandemic, suggesting that for, for individuals in the managed care plan, use of telehealth was maybe a little more sticky than those who were now, the study we're discussing today is appearing in the American Journal of Managed Care's annual health IT issue. Speaking of telehealth, for Medi-Cal beneficiaries, one of the factors you considered for its influence on telehealth use was citizenship status. Why did you choose to investigate this factor specifically? That's a good question. So one of the really unique things about the Medicaid data that we were able to use in this study is that it has lots of really detailed demographic information about Medicaid enrollees, Medicaid beneficiaries. A lot of times when we're trying to look at disparities in use of care, we don't have the kind of you know individual granular types of data. And so we say, uh, what is the you know, race or income or citizenship composition of, say, an individual's county or zip code, and don't actually have information about that patient themselves. And so in, in the Medicaid data, is, it's really unique that we're actually able to have in, information on individual Medicaid enrollee uh, race, their, their written and spoken language, and also their, their citizenship status. We were able to, in our, our data, uh, in our analysis, include all of these different characteristics of Medicaid beneficiaries and look at differences in use of telehealth across kind of the, this whole spectrum of patient demographics. And what was really interesting is that we actually uh, did find lots of disparities in use of telehealth among these, these individuals uh, based on kind of uh, income or, or non-white race or also citizenship status. And I, I think including citizenship status is, is really important because there could be barriers in accessing in-person care. So if you are concerned about documentation status, going to an in-person provider may be a barrier to actually receiving care. And telehealth, which you can do from your own home or from another place, might actually be more convenient. And in, in our analysis, we actually did find relatively similar rates of telehealth use between um, Medicaid enrollees who were US citizens or, or legal residents and those who are You're commercially insured population comprised CalPERS members, which are state employees and their dependents. Can you speculate as to how your findings might have differed if you had used data on employees from private companies? 
That, that's a really good question. So for our comparison between Medicaid and commercial enrollees, for the commercial population, we use data from the California Public Employees Retirement System. This is the, uh, the, the system that provides health insurance benefits as well as other benefits for all state of California enrollees or state of California workers rather and, and their families, as well as workers and, and their families from many California municipalities and local governments. This is a, a population that has uh, had relatively stable employment over the pandemic, but we know from other uh, individuals who, who are employed that that, that uh, level of employment stability has not quite been the same as in, in state and local governments. And so if we were to look at individuals outside of CalPERS, then it could be the case that maybe there are um, kind of more concerns about uh, unemployment or economic resources, and those could have impacted access and use of care. Another uh, difference between CalPERS and other uh, uh, commercially insured plans is that the, the insurance benefits in CalPERS are relatively generous relative to what we see in the commercial population. And so in, in CalPERS, we don't see individuals with say $10,000 deductibles, which is unfortunately relatively common in other commercially insured populations. And so during the pandemic, coupled with economic uncertainty, the uh, less generous benefits that exist outside of CalPERS could have impacted care uh, relative to what we see in, in CalPERS. Can you explain why you think there have been so few investigations into inequitable access to telehealth among patient populations whose access may have been influenced or really restricted by social determinants of health? For example, lack of access to the technology, either because it's too expensive or they don't have the adequate infrastructure. I, I think that one barrier to really understanding socio socioeconomic determinants and access to, to telehealth and other technologies is that information on individual level social determinants and socioeconomic characteristics actually does not exist in most data sets. And so a really unique uh, component of the Medicaid data that we're able to look at in this study is that we actually have individual information on things like race, uh, 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 language status, and also citizenship and documentation status. And so we're actually able to say at the individual level, how do disparities look like in access to, to telehealth? In other types of data, we have to say, what is the say county or zip code level uh, race or income composition look like? And we don't actually have individual level data uh, on those characteristics like we were able to use in this study. The COVID-19 pandemic is a double-edged sword. It has both changed the field of medicine forever by showing that effective care is possible via novel modes of delivery and highlighted inequitable access to effective care because of social determinants of health. It's clear that telehealth is here to stay. So what must policymakers prioritize to overcome obstacles to its access? I, I think one important thing to, to recognize is that there are financial and non-financial barriers to accessing telehealth, but there are also financial and non-financial barriers in accessing in-person care. And so if you're a, a patient who wants to receive care in person, then you have to say, take time off of work. You either have to you know, travel uh, to, to the physician's office. And so that may, uh, if you're low income, require taking a bus or you know, subway or, or even walking. Uh, and you also uh, potentially have to deal with, with childcare or other uh, family care responsibilities. 
And so that is a, a barrier to receiving and accessing care that we typically don't think of uh, in, in terms of, of, of accessing uh, primary care and clinician services. And so for patients who have those types of barriers to accessing care, maybe telehealth is actually much more convenient. And so uh, it actually you know, enables you to, to receive the same type of care uh, from, from uh, home without um, you know, taking time off for et cetera. And so I, I think a really important takeaway for policy is to recognize that those types of barriers exist. And for many patient populations, telehealth is actually much more convenient than in receiving care in person. And so I, I think knowing that, uh, that those, those barriers exist, making sure that patients who may not have technology to use telehealth actually have technology. And so whether that say, is expanding internet access or expanding um, you know, mobile phone technology so individuals can actually receive telehealth. And then also making sure that the use of telehealth actually leads to kind of the same level of quality of care as patients uh, who receive in-person care. Did any of your findings surprise you? Yeah, so going, going into the study, we really, I think, expected that uh, we would find kind of the, the similar or kind of the, the most common uh, disparities in, in care story where, say, non-white individuals or, uh, say, individuals who are lower income would have lower use of telehealth than those who had higher socioeconomic status or higher income. And what we actually found was almost the exact opposite and so I, I think that really just suggests to, to the kind of um, you know, non-financial barriers that exist for accessing care, particularly during the pandemic. Well, that was the last question I had for you. Are there any concluding thoughts or is there anything else you would like to add? Yeah, I, I think the, uh, the, the main uh, you know, takeaways from our study uh, was just you know, highlighting how telehealth for many uh, lower income patients can actually be more convenient to, than in-person care, but then also highlighting uh, the important and I think underappreciated interaction between health plan environment and the incentives of providers to treat patients virtually or actually make sure the patients are kind of in the seat uh, in front of you and, and bill for those kind of in-person in visits. Uh, and I, I think, um, you know, future studies on use of technology should actually examine differences based on health and environment. Well, thank you for sitting and discussing your study with us today. On behalf of myself, AJMC, and our audience, thank you for taking the time and uh, for speaking with us. Thank you for having me. For all of us at AJMC.com, thanks for listening. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. Mm-hmm.